Thanks for downloading the latest podcast from Cathedral of Praise in Rockhampton. You're about to hear a message from Associate Pastor Greg Cross. The title of tonight's message is The Importance of Being Earnest. <laughs> it just came to me. <laughs> no, not at all. The Importance of Being Earnest. You know, the Bible says that we are to work out our own salvation. But it does not imply that we are to work out our own salvation alone. Do you agree? God did not promise us an easy journey. In fact, in one place, he said that you must endure hardness. What he did promise was a victorious, overcoming journey culminating in the glorious rapture of the church, a bride without spot or wrinkle. Another writer says, be even more diligent to make your call, your own call and election, sure. The church of Jesus Christ exists today to help you work out your salvation. Help me out. The church of Jesus Christ exists, exists today to help you with your diligence to make your own call and election sure. How many of you have ever had a doubt, a fear, an unbelief? Of course we all have. Do you know how much assurance comes to our spirit lives when we come to church and we hear the word of the Lord and we enjoy ourselves in the praise and worship and the presence of God touches our lives afresh? That is being more diligent to make your call and election sure. Do you agree? Because I get no nutrients for my faith in the world. Correct? None. The world does not feed my spiritual man. The church does. It exists for that purpose. Amen? To build up the believer in the things of God. Yes, to evangelize the world and to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're here as a testimony. Hallelujah. I want to give you, by way of reminder, four words, very important words in the New Testament. This is about you and this is about the others that through you will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The first word is safe. We use the word saved. Are you saved? But the Bible says that God wants to make a person safe. We we sang it in a song tonight. The second one is secure. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Not only saved temporally, God wants to make it a permanent thing. He wants to make the saved secure. Not only does he want you to be safe and secure in the house of the Lord, he wants you to be sanctified. We want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Having been sanctified, the Bible says that you can be sent. Those four words pop up all the time in various forms through the New Testament. Okay, they are pivotal, they are foundational to the walk of faith. Safe, secure, sanctified and sent. There's a clear warning in Scripture that it is possible to lose what you have gained. Do you agree? In my mind, I cannot conceive how a person would disown a child but for extreme Circumstances When God says he adopts you into his family, only under the most extreme of circumstances would he disown you. 
Do you agree with me? But the Bible says, and this is a nautical term, it is possible for us to drift away. It is possible for us to lose our moorings. Where we were once secure, we've now drifted away. We've allowed the tides of time to get the best of our Christianity, to get the best of our earnestness, to get the best of our diligence. We've allowed the seasons, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the bigger waves to come and, and knock us off our moorings. And we haven't, we haven't endeavoured to re-secure ourselves. We've drifted away. Every single one of us have felt the tension on that mooring rope. Do you agree? Every single one of us. It doesn't matter what circumstance you found yourself in, what trial. You felt that tension as you were moored to the Christ that is your security. Someone said to me this week, have you ever wanted to just give it all up? It's too hard, too challenging. The trial's too great. Yep. But rather than stay away from church, I've run back to church to fight that fear, to combat that doubt, to have that unbelief smashed by the word that's come to our lives so freely, so liberally in the house of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to four. We're going to read it real quickly. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. I've got to be honest with you. If the only time you open your Bible is in church on a Sunday, that's, that's not enough. That's not enough. The Bible says... Give the more earnest heed to the things you've heard, yeah. lest we drift away. Yeah. You know, there's a challenge in, in a society like us for a Christian to become casual. A casual Christian is one that has the potential to drift away. There's an ease in our affluence. There's an ease in our complacency. Verse 2 says, For the, if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, that's a really important phrase, proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, that's a positive and a negative, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of being earnest in your faith. I'm going to give you three phrases. If you look at modernized translations of this particular passage, they use these three scattered about. Number one, if you're going to be an earnest Christian, you're going to have to listen carefully. There's lots and lots of preaching and teaching in church life. If you're going to be a fervent, earnest believer, you're going to have to listen carefully. There's lots and lots of listening in church life. How many agree? You've got to be an earnest listener. Number two, you've got to learn quickly. Time is not on our side. Do you agree? I find all the time I'm running out of time and the longer it takes me to learn the lesson, the longer it takes me to get into the blessing. You've got to listen carefully. You've got to learn quickly. Number three, really important. You've got to lean heavily. To be an earnest believer, you've got to lean heavily on the power that God gives us to get by in this life. 
Because the moment we start enjoying, the moment we start leaning upon our own strength, the moment we start resting, the moment we start taking comfort in our own strength, guess what? We start to lose. Do you remember the message pastor spoke about the staff? The Bible says he leaned heavily upon the staff. It's no surprise to me that those who climb mountains, every single one of them after a good pair of shoes, buy a walking stick. I'm not talking about an old gentleman's walking stick. I'm talking about a climbing stick, a walking stick. One of my favorite passages, Psalm 24. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? That sounds to me like we're going up. Amen? And that sounds to me like there's going to be some challenges on the way up. Yeah? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He, that person, shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This passage gets to me. Give the more earnest heed. God knows that it is possible for us to drift away. Jude says it like this, contend earnestly for the faith that you now possess. Contend earnestly for it. The devil is not going to sit by realizing that he's now lost. Oh, well, I've lost another one. He's going to throw everything he's got at you to try and weaken your resolve, to try and weaken your faith. Here's the interesting thing. In the old King James Version, the Bible, for the gift of the Spirit, uses the word earnest. The Spirit is our earnest. God knew that our soul, having been redeemed, would need a regulator. Help me out. Because let me tell you something, if you're anything like me, my soul has a will of its own. Do you agree? My soul has a mind of its own. I get off to thinking about things I wasn't even thinking about. Something I saw, something I saw someone do, oh, I might have a go at that. How about you go and try that? Your soul has a mind of its own, your soul has a will of its own. How many ever thought to yourself, I feel like doing that? God gave us the spirit, the earnest. He gave us the earnest. So not only could we make it by, make it through in this life, but that we could thrive, that we could do great things for God, that we could combat the flesh on the inside, that we could combat the world on the outside. He gave us the earnest of the spirit. 2 Corinthians 8.16 says, This earnest now living on the inside us gives us the ability to sincerely care for one another. 2 Corinthians 7.7 says, This same spirit on the inside of us gives us earnest desire. Sincere desires. This spirit on the inside of us gives us the ability with pure motive to expect great things from God. Earnest expectation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. If you read the preceding verses, it will fascinate you what constituted the people in the Corinthian church. They were a mix of people, I tell you. 
Listen to what Paul says. I'll take it from verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicator, nor adulterer, and nor idolater, nor adulterer, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkard, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to what Paul says. And such were some of you. Isn't that an interesting church? Yeah. Boy. Yeah. But listen to what Paul says to them. But you were washed. Yes. I want you to write that down. As a saved person, you were washed. Number two, you were sanctified. Number three, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, the earnest of God. To be washed, to be fully submerged, to be sanctified, to be made holy and set apart, to be justified, to be rendered innocent. Not as in innocent didn't do the crime, rendered innocent as in pardoned regardless of the crime. Because Emma, you, you and I know we weren't innocent. Help me out. We weren't innocent. I want to take these three things if I can just to build some content for you tonight because you need these three things to be saved and stay saved amen this is a progressive work of the earnest that's on the inside of us there's a necessity in our day to stay clean to stay washed by the spirit of God Titus 3 5 not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. I've heard pastors say this in the last three or four days a number of times. John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Yeah. How does the individual get washed? How does the Christian get washed? There's only one way. By the word in the spirit. And when you come to church, be earnest about your washing. Be earnest about your cleansing. The Spirit of God has come to empower you, but to receive the Word so that you can be washed by the Spirit. How many know we get gritty and grimy in the world? Sometimes we don't even do anything wrong and you come in all dirty and yucky. Help me out. Listen to what Jesus said, John John 13, verse 6. Having been cleaned... You need only to have your feet washed. He was in a particular discussion there with Peter. He came to Peter and said, If I can't wash your feet, Peter, you can have no part in me. The washing is not only instantaneous at salvation, but progressive because we are left in the world. Help me out. Yeah, we need a constant washing. We need a constant cleansing. Peter said, Oh, not only my feet, but my hands and my head also. Having been cleaned, you need only to have your feet washed. Do you know what the Word of God does when you come to church on Sunday? I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is a servant, a slave, but He comes around and He washes your feet. Because the Word's cleaned you already and all that happens is your walk needs to be refreshed. Your walk needs to be refined because we're in the world. We bump into iniquity. We bump into sins. We bump into, into the chaos of the, of the devil's handiwork all the time. And God says, you're already clean. What I need you to do is just freshen up your feet a little bit. Keep that walk on fire. Keep that walk on the right path. That's all I need you to do right now. Yes. How many ready to have your feet washed tonight? Yes. 
Listen to something really important. I better go to the passage because I'm still in Corinthians. John chapter 13. Verse 14, Jesus said, You call me, verse 13, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so am I, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Do you know how we stay clean in church life? Not only coming into church life, but engaging one another in the, in, in the word, re- dialoguing with the word, conversing over the word. Do you know what happens? We wash one another's feet. Not only does the Spirit do it by the word of the Lord, by the preacher, by, the, by, by, by prophetic utterance, by the praise and worship, but you and I wash one another's feet every time we dialogue through the word, by the word, because we're clean through the word. Amen. Clean through the word. 2 Peter chapter 2, talking about verse 18, talking about false prophets, false teachers. The Bible uses an interesting word. They allure. They allure. I know what allure does to a fish. Help me out. The Bible says they allure those who are already clean. False teachers allure those who are already clean. The story in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius's, his arms and his prayers have gone before the Lord. He's praying one day and an angel visits him and says, I need you to go down to send someone to the tanner's house to get Peter to come up and he's going to preach to you. And the story goes back down to the tanner's house where Peter's on the roof just having a little rest before, uh, before lunchtime and, he's, and, he, and he goes into a trance I'm not sure the state of the trance the Bible isn't clear whether it was an open vision or, or whether he was asleep or what it doesn't matter the Bible says he went into a trance and what came down out of the sky was a sheet full of foods that he would not normally eat because he was kosher, he was a Jew but I want to pick up on the statement that God uses in verse 9 because it's symbolic of what happens in our washing God says, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Having been washed by the Spirit of God, you and I are no longer common. Peter says this, actually, a peculiar people, a holy nation, a choice royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. I used to be just like everybody else. Help me out. I was common, but I have been recreated now for special purposes. When this property was purchased, this property that we sit on, it was zoned. Under new management, it had to be rezoned to fulfill its purpose. We have a zoning called special purposes before you came into church life you were common you were just like everybody else but once you received your cleansing once you received your washing by regeneration of the spirit of God God says no longer call yourself common you've been rezoned special purposes 
in order to fulfill the mandate that God has for you in the life of this church and this church and its community, you've been rezoned under new management, special purposes. Listen to what the Bible says. The the story is that the dog goes back to its own vomit, but the next part in 2 Peter 2.22 says, And the sow that was washed goes back to her wallowing in the mire. I had a little dog. I loved him and cared for him passionately. I had a number of dogs. But this particular one had a, had a bent. He was bent out of shape, I tell you. He was an inside dog because I wasn't married at the time, so he and I used to do everything together. He used to sleep on the end of my bed. He had the run of the house. But he was only allowed inside when he'd been washed. But his bent was that he didn't like the smell of the shampoo. I'm sure that's what it was because he would find anything and everything that was dead. He would roll in it and he would come back and present himself at the back door to me. It never changed my love for him. But he didn't have access anymore. Help me out. Once you've been cleaned, God's gone out of his way to save you and set you free from a life of sin. You have now been rezoned. You are now under a new classification. You're not common anymore. You're not like everybody else. You are zoned special purposes. Help me out. And boy, did we hear about those special purposes on Thursday night. My goodness. It's important for a Christian not only to recognize their need to be washed but to understand what they need to be washed in. I grew up on a farm. We didn't have a lot of water. We had tank water. There was no town water like we have today. There was no running water. So with all my cousins and me and grandma and granddad and my uncles and aunties, we all used the same bath water. I'm not trying to be gross. We had about two inches of water in the bathtub and we'd all go through. How many know you'd really want to be the first one in? Yep, because by the end, it didn't matter whether you used the soap. Didn't matter whether you used the washer. You knew you were getting in and getting out worse than you were. There was no question. And I would plead with Grandma, because my cousins were feral little piles of them. And if you've been out on the tractor all day, the last thing you want to do is come home, have a nice cold bath in someone else's water. Help me out. Every time you come to church, God opens the word to you. Fresh running water flows over your feet. Not someone else's water. This isn't some communal bath that everyone's been in. It's fresh. It's living. It's running. When you get out, you feel clean. Help me out. Wow. This word sanctified means to be set apart for purpose. But there's also, there's a tiny little tag that goes on the end of it as well. It means to come under the influence of. 
See, God knew that the soul would need a regulator. And this isn't about law and grace per se. But God knew as the soul needed a regulator, you and I would have to become law-abiding citizens. And I'm talking about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But there is still a law, there is still regulations, there is still rules. How many know the Holy Spirit agreed to the original ten laws? Help me out. What he's done, he's the spirit of truth. He's brought the spirit of those laws into our relationship with Jesus, the spirit of them. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church or to hear this message in full, you can purchase or download a copy from our website at www.copchurch.com.au.